Good morning. My name is Mark, and I'm a teaching pastor here, and I just want to welcome you again. Like Tim was saying, we're so glad that you're here with us. Uh, pastor Brian and his family will be uh, starting back this week, and we're looking forward to having them back. We, uh, they had a, a week of vacation, and then they went to the GROW conference in Alabama, and uh, I'm sure they're coming back with a lot of excitement, a lot of new ideas, a lot of things. It's always nice when you're pastoring to go and be filled up someplace. Uh, you know, you pour yourself out week after week after week, and they got to go and fill themselves back up and refresh themselves, and we're uh, really looking forward to having them back. I just want to give a shout out real quick. Uh, last week, man, uh, Tim really, uh, you hit it out of the park, brother. That was great. I love that. I love what you had to say. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so important for us to be in unity in the body. And when we, uh, it, it is, it impacts the kingdom if we're not in unity. And, and it's so important for us to do. And that was a great message. I really enjoyed that. Uh, we got to watch that online. And, and uh, I'm so glad that we have the capability to do things like that when you can't be here and be able to go back and, and watch something like that. Today we're going to continue in our series on the armor of God. Uh, Pastor Brian got me all excited when he first called me about this. He said, man, I'm going to have you preach the sword of the Spirit. And I was so excited because, man, who does not love a good sword story, you know? And there's some great sword stories in the Bible, you know? I mean, uh, it's, a lot of people talk about Peter being kind of a doofus at times, but I love the fact that Peter could just take a guy's ear off with a sword, you know? I was like, this is pretty awesome, you know? And then he called me back and he goes, wait a minute, I was wrong, I was counting wrong. I need you to do the helmet of salvation. And you know what, I was not let down. Because the helmet of salvation is one of my most favorite things when we, when we start talking about um, spiritual armor and things like that. But I have to be honest with you, it was not always my most favorite thing. And, uh, and I'll, I'll explain that to you as we get going. But let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read this passage that we've been reading over the weeks as we talked about this. And we're going to read it together. And uh, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But we want to look at what God's speaking to us about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace." In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. And God, uh, it's been a good day already. Worship was awesome. And being in your presence is always sweet. And God, I just pray, Father, for an anointing to preach your Word. 
Father, I want it to be you. I don't want to preach. I don't want my words to come forth. I want your words to come forth and that you would uh, do a, a, a work in all of us, Father. And God, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, if there's one who's, who's seeking, Father, I pray today that they would find you and their lives would be radically changed forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So, so far we have walked through in this series, we've talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, we talked about the shield of faith, our feet being fitted with readiness, and today we're going to take a look at the helmet of salvation. Now, I have to be honest with you, when I first many years ago read about the helmet of salvation, many, many years ago, I hate to tell you how many years ago, but I first read about that, I, my, one of my first thoughts was, helmet? Who needs a stinking helmet? We don't need helmets because I grew up as a child in the, the late 60s and early 70s, and, 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 and we didn't wear helmets, man. I know some of the young moms are freaking out when I say that, you know. But we didn't wear helmets. I mean, I rode in cars without a car seat and even a seatbelt because I had a mom with one of those magic arms. You know what I'm talking about? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime a car would cut us off, she had hit the brakes real quick, that arm would come out faster than anything you could imagine. When I started driving, it was the other arm. She was on the other side, and she'd be like this, you know, and every time I'd have to stop real quick. I, you know, she had that magic arm that would stop, stop you from going through windshields or whatever, you know. And as a kid, growing up in the late 60s and early 70s, when we got on our bicycles, every one of us imagined we were evil Knievel, man. Evil Knievel was the guy, and we were imitating him, and we, we had to jump something with the bike. And, you know, those bikes weren't really made for that. You know, they had that banana seat with the, the, the big ape hanger handlebars, and, and mine, unfortunately, had, I had one of those with the, the gear shift down on the bar, and that was a really bad place to put that, you know. <laughs> But uh, I, I, as I was thinking about that, I, I actually took a picture. I, I have found a picture of me actually doing one of my jumps when I was a kid. I think they're going to put that up there for you. <laughs> I got a little bit better by the time I became a teenager. There's another one on here. You know. Full disclosure, that's not really me in either one of those pictures. But that first picture... I did something just like that, and I've got the scars to prove it, man. <laughs> i got the scars to prove it. I don't think bicycles were e bicycle helmets were even invented back then. We didn't even know what I, I don't remember anybody that had a bicycle helmet. And we rode our bikes, and we jumped things, and we set up makeshift jumps, and we actually had, I, I've actually laid on the ground stupid enough to do it where somebody jumped their bike over us, you know, and we did all that stuff, and we didn't have helmets, and first time I read about a helmet, I'm like, who needs a helmet? What in the world do I need a helmet for? But all joking aside, as I read in the scripture about the helmet of salvation, as I read about this, I studied and I've learned about it, and, and I've come to a place where I really believe you could make an argument that none of the other pieces of the armor would work if we don't have the helmet of salvation. I really believe you can make an argument that the helmet of salvation is a key piece that without it, the others don't work. 
You see, Pastor Brian spoke to us in the first week of this series, and he talked about the first part of this passage where it says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This battle that we're fighting is a spiritual battle, and it requires spiritual armor. And you, you don't get to put on spiritual armor until a spiritual transformation has happened in your life, and that comes through salvation. It comes when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And there is a spiritual transformation, and we are able to begin putting on spiritual armor. The transformation happens at salvation when we realize the truth that we have sinned, and the, and the Bible is very clear, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? And if, if you've never sinned in your life, the rest of us want to know how you have managed to achieve more than two years of age without doing that. We really want to know. If you've not sinned, we, we really want to know how you've done that. Unless you're just dishonest and you, 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 you won't tell us that you've sinned. But we've all sinned. We've all done things wrong. Amen? I think that's easy for us to understand. The harder part of that is in Romans 6 and 23 where it tells us that the punishment for our sins is death. That's the punishment for our sins. You know, if you go back to the garden, nothing died until Adam and Eve sinned. Can you imagine living in a world where nothing died? Imagine how big the plants were. I think that's why dinosaurs were there, because they, they would grow forever. You know, reptiles don't quit growing. They just grow. Nothing died. The punishment for sin is death. The wages for our sin is death. And the hardest part of this truth is there is absolutely nothing we could do to save ourselves. That's a hard part for most of us. I don't know about you, but when I get myself in trouble, I want to find a way out of it, amen? I want to find a way to fix this. I want to find a way to resolve this. I want to find a way to make this right. And the truth is, there was no way I could resolve my relationship with God. There's no way I could resolve it until I came to a knowledge of what Jesus did for me and how far God would go to save you and I. And I want to read you some scriptures as we think about this this morning about salvation that are so key and so awesome as we look at them to think about how far God would go for you and I. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8 says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, you want to talk about good news. You want to talk about good news. While we were still sinners, while we were still, let's, let's be honest, in our sin, we were enemies of God. And yet God chose to send his son, while we were his enemies, he chose to send his son to die on a cross for us. Man, that's some good news. That's, that's God went a long ways for us. 
There's another passage that many of you have heard, and, and I want to read two verses there, John 3, 16 and 17. If you know it, go ahead and say it out loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But listen to 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I was talking to a guy one time, and, and I could tell listening to him, his story, listening to the way he thought of God, and I think he's not alone. I think a lot of people kind of have this view. He, he really had this kind of view that, that God is some being sitting in heaven, and there's a little portal there where you can get into heaven and, and maybe a ladder or something to get you up there, and God's on the other side of that portal with a big stick just waiting to swat people back down. And I could tell as I listened to him, that was kind of his view of who God is. And I want to tell you today that that is not the God that we know. That is not the God that created us. The God that created us is the God who created us and put us onto this planet that he might have a relationship with us, that we might, we might hang out with him and enjoy his presence and his company. And, and mankind uh, we, we go back to the garden where Adam and Eve sinned and they broke that relationship, but ever since then, every one of us has been breaking that relationship. And God loved us so much that he was not sitting up there trying to keep us out of heaven, but he loved us so much he wanted us all to get into heaven. So he sent his son to leave the glory and the splendor of his heavenly home and to come here and to live some 33 years on this earth and to live that life so that he would experience the things that you and I experience. He would go through the things that we go through. He would know the pains. He would know the hurts. He would know the joy and the splendor that we go through. And then he would go to a cross and pay the price for your sins and mine. He would go to that cross and die on that cross so that we might have forgiveness with God and we might be reconciled unto him. And as he says in verse 17, that he would save the world through him. Man, this is good news. This is good news this morning. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. We have peace with God. You ever made somebody bigger than you mad? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I had a guy at my last church that was six foot ten, 310 pounds, and had boxed professionally. This was not a guy you wanted to make mad because not only was he big, but he knew how to take care of himself. He was not the guy you wanted to make mad. And he told the story. He was somewhat of a, actually more than somewhat, he was a big bully in high school. High school, he was a guy to be feared. And he was not a nice guy. He was not saved in high school. And he was telling me the story one time how after he got saved, he was walking through Walmart and he saw a guy in Walmart that he used to pick on when he was in high school. <laughs> guy he used to beat up when he was in high school. And he said, I wanted to apologize to him. 
And he said, so I, I, I called out his name, and I said, hey, man, I want to talk to you. And he said, the guy ran, took off running through Walmart. And he said, I'm, I'm trying to find him in Walmart, and I find him, he's hiding in the middle of a clothes rack. <laughs> he's scared to death. Cody's got to pull him out of there and beat him up again. And Cody said, I looked at him and I said, I was mean to you. I was bad to you. And I found Christ as my Savior and I've made peace with my God and I want to make peace with you and apologize. He said, the guy still couldn't hardly come out of the clothes rack. <laughs> he was still scared. And I think, man, if I made a guy that big mad, I'd be scared. But the truth is, when we sinned, we made God mad. We became his enemy. And yet, he still loved us enough. You understand that, parents, being mad at your child but still loving them, right? And he loved us enough to send his son that we could have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through, we have gained, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. I want to tell you our salvation is one of the most, it, not one of, it is the most awesome thing that's ever happened to us. Our salvation is the most awesome thing that's ever happened to us. And I, I want to go a little bit further. I want to explain this in a way. I have a little video here for a moment. How many of you have seen the movie Courageous? Have you seen that movie? Great movie. If you haven't seen it, I really would, would highly suggest it's a great movie. But I have a little clip from that movie that helps explain how beautiful our salvation is. Would you play that? This is called Gun Range Gospel. I love it. Hey, Nathan, can I ask you something? Yeah, what's up? Do you really feel like it messed up your childhood not having a dad? <laughs> More than you know. I struggled with who I was trying to prove myself, almost got in the game. You know, if fathers just did what they're supposed to do, half of the junk that we face on the streets wouldn't exist. Why are you worried about it? You nervous about being a father one day? I already am one. You got a kid? A little girl. She's four now. I was playing ball in college. Hooked up with a cheerleader. I told her to take care of it. She didn't do it. So I got mad and left her to deal with herself. You know, she lives 30 minutes away now. I can't bring myself to go see her. She married? No. I just never really loved her, you know? And then hearing you guys talk about how fathers walking out messed up the kids, and then seeing this stuff, I don't want to be one of those guys. David, part of being a man is about taking responsibility. Any fool can have a child. I'm just tired of feeling guilty. Well, let me break it to you this way. You are guilty. Listen, one day you, me, <laughs> and 
and every one of us are going to have to stand before God. And he's going to do what good judges do. Well, and I hope my good outweighs my bad, Nathan. That's not the way it works. You know that. Let me put it this way. Who's the person you're closest to? Probably my mom. Okay. Suppose she was brutally attacked and murdered in a parking lot. The guy was caught and put on trial. But he says, hey, judge, I committed this crime, but I've done a lot of good in my life. If the judge let him go free, would you say he was a good judge or a bad judge? A bad one. That's right. Because the Bible says that God is a good judge, and he will punish the guilty not for what they did right, but for what they did wrong. Because he loved us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment that we deserve and put it on himself. And that's why he died on the cross. But it only applies if you accept it. That's why I asked for his forgiveness. I asked him to save me. And I'm a new man because of Christ. You understand what I'm telling you? Then what's holding you back? Nothing. of what Jesus did for us. One of the reasons why our salvation is so sweet is that someday every one of us is going to get to heaven. And we're going to stand before a holy, righteous God. And if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are a born-again child of the Most High God, you will stand before that holy, righteous God, not shaking or quivering in fear, not worried for what he's going to do to you, but you will stand before that holy, righteous God knowing that Jesus Christ, his son, paid the price for what you did wrong, and you have been forgiven, and your sins have been, been as, as he says in his word, cast for as far as the east is from the west, and he has forgiven you, and you will stand before that holy, righteous God in sheer anticipation of hearing him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to the place that I have made for you. Man, that is something amazing to think about. So often we think I've got to have this or that to have happiness and joy in life. But I want to tell you, if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your salvation is the sweetest, most awesome thing that's ever happened in your life. And you have something amazing to look forward to. Not just in heaven, but even in this life, because we live as children of the Most High God. Amen? What a beautiful thing it is to live. Our salvation is such a beautiful thing because the Bible describes that when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and God has made us a new creation. God didn't just patch up your raggedy old self. Did you get that? God didn't just patch up that raggedy old person 
But God made you a new creation in Christ Jesus and gave you an opportunity to step out in faith in him, being a new creation and be who he had called you to be. Our salvation is a very beautiful thing. Our salvation is so beautiful because God said that we are no longer slaves to sin. I don't know about you, but that makes me excited to think that I'm no longer a slave to sin. Because sin can get its hooks in you, and it's hard to escape. Amen? Sin can get its hooks into you, and it's hard to get away from. And it's amazing to know that by the blood of Jesus Christ, when it's been applied to a man or woman's life, we are no longer slaves to sin. Our salvation is this amazing thing that happened when we realized who we were what God did for us and who Jesus is, and we came to him and asked him to forgive us of our sins and come into our life and be our Lord and Savior and committed our life to him. Man, God saved us. He made us a new creation. He wrote our name down in the Lamb's book of life, and someday we shall stand in heaven before him and look forward to receiving the reward for being children of God. Our salvation is awesome, man. So in light of this, We read in Ephesians, and he says, to put on the helmet of salvation. What does that mean? What is this helmet of salvation, and how do I put it on? And I want to spend the the remainder of our, our time we have together this morning, and I want to talk to you for just a few moments about what this helmet is and how we put it on. Pastor Brian was showing us last week how Paul had in mind, or two weeks ago, how Paul had in mind the Roman soldiers who were guarding him when he wrote this. And according to warhistory.com, the Roman helmet was called a galea, and it had two purposes, protection and identification. The helmets usually came with cheek guards and were thicker in places most likely to be hit. Helmets worn by legionnaires and centurions had crests made of plumes of horsehair, which were usually dyed red with the distinct nature of their helmets. It was very easy to identify these men in battle. I want to focus on two terms of that, that, what that helmet meant for a moment, and look at the protection and identification. The helmet of salvation is your protection. You see, a helmet is designed to protect your head, and it's designed to protect this. Now, honestly, how many of you were physically attacked this week? Not very many of us, right? Doesn't happen very often. And Paul is not speaking about here a helmet for the physical protection of the head. What he's getting at is where most of our battles happen. Most of our battles happen in the mind here. Most of the battles happen right up here. Most of the battles we face as Christians happen right here in the mind. And we need some protection for our minds. A helmet is designed to protect that head, but when the enemy attacks, he usually attacks us right there in the head because he knows if he can influence the way you think, he can influence the way you act. Amen? If he can influence the way you think, he can influence the way you act. If he can get you thinking fearful, he can get you to to act out in ways to try to protect yourselves that that are not godly, or he can get you to turn your back on God and run. One of the biggest things Satan will try to introduce to you are doubts. I believe he loves to introduce doubts into the mind of the Christian. I believe he loves to try to introduce doubts to us. You know, doubts like, is God, does God really love me? Does he really, really love me? 
Are God's ways the best ways? Does sin really hurt my life? Does God even care about me? Is God allowing evil things to happen to me? And one of the biggest ones I believe he loves to introduce into our lives is that I'm not worthy of God's love. How many of you have messed up during the week and you come to church on Sunday and you feel like, I can't go in there and worship because I'm not worthy? You know what I'm saying? I've been there before. I don't want to tell you the place you belong the most as a child of God when you've messed up is in the presence of Almighty God. Come into the church house. Begin to worship Him. See what God will do in your life. See, Come back into that right relationship place. But I believe the enemy wants to, in, wants to introduce doubts into our life. But the best protection we have is to strap on the helmet of salvation, man. Strap on the helmet of salvation because it is our protection. Because when we strap on the helmet of salvation, we remember what our salvation means. We remember what our salvation cost. We remember the price that our Father and our Savior paid for our salvation. And it takes those doubts out. Man, when you remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross, you don't doubt, does God really love me? Amen? When you remember what God the Father, the price it paid when he actually had to turn away and couldn't look at Jesus on the cross because of the pain that he was going through, you have no doubt that God really does care about you. You know. And so we strap that helmet on so that we know and we understand what God really cares about us and how he feels about us. And then we're able to overcome the doubts that come. The helmet of salvation is also your identification. I love Ephesians chapter 1. It says, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When you were saved God put a mark on you. Did you know that? He says he blessed us with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We use a, a theological term there where we say that the Holy Spirit indwells you. Man, when you came, when you asked Jesus to forgive you and to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior, not only did he do that, but he blessed you with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who resides in you and is there for not only your benefit, but is for the world to see and for our enemy to see and know that you belong to God. Now, I think it's pretty cool that our enemy has to see that we belong to God. Amen? I think it's pretty cool that he has to see whose team we're on. We're on team Jesus, and we belong to God. We are children of the Most High God. There is something amazing about being a child of the Most High God, and our enemy needs to see that. Amen? I was 13 years old. My dad uh, bowled uh, a lot, man. He was a very avid bowler. And, and we were at the, the bowling alley one time, and he was bowling in a tournament. And I was down at the pinball machines. Uh, and uh, I told you I was a child of the 70s. You know? <laughs> I don't think uh, Pac-Man or any of them were, were invented at this point yet. And I'm down at the pinball machines. 
and I'm playing pinball, and I'm having a good time, and I, I machine I'd played many times, I'd racked up several games on that, and I'm just having a good time, and this guy comes up to me, and I don't know how old he was, I, I know he was probably 18, 19 years old, somewhere in there, and he comes up, and he said, hey, that's my machine you're playing, I'm taking that. I'm like, dude, you can't take that, I'm playing this, I got games on here. And I was much smaller, I was 13, he was much bigger than me, and he's like, you're going to get off that or I'm going to kick your you-know-what. And about that point, I looked past him and my dad had walked up. My dad was six foot four, man, <laughs> about 250 pounds. And that guy didn't see my dad and he reached out to put his hands on me. My dad grabbed him, picked him up, and threw him on top of that pinball machine, busted all the glass out in that machine. I was never so proud to be my father's son. <laughs> never. That's my dad. He's on my side. You know what I'm saying? I was never so proud to be my father's son as at that moment right there. I want to tell you, you identify as a child of the Most High God. We need to strap on the helmet of salvation and not live in fear, not live in worry, not worry about what this world's going to bring our way, not worry about what's coming down the pipe for us, but we need to strap on the helmet of salvation and know that we identify as children of the Almighty God, and we're on His team, we're on His side, and He's got our back. He's going to take care of us, and even though sometimes it doesn't look like it in the circumstances we go by, go through, man, God is there. And you can always look past your enemy and see your heavenly father is standing there and he's got your back. Amen. We identify as children of God. Amen. Whew. I want to give you real quick just a couple things of how we strap this thing on. How we strap this helmet on. First one, and we talked a little bit about this, is by the renewing of our minds. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When we come to Christ, we have the attitudes, the opinions, the, 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 the training so often of, of what we came out of in the world. And the world is very often very contrary to God's ways. And we need to come to a place when we come to Christ where we renew our minds and we start to accept and to believe that God's ways are the right ways. And we do that by strapping on the helmet of salvation and saying, man, if God loved me enough to send his son to die on the cross and save me, he must truly be God. And if he's God, by definition, he's right. Amen? If he's really God, by definition, he's right. And I need to renew my mind and start looking at God's word. And what God says is right, what God says is perfect, what God says is good, and believe and accept that regardless if it goes against what the world says around me. Amen? I need to renew my mind. I need to strap on that helmet. We really do live in a day and an age where Romans 125 could not be more accurate. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. But I want to tell you, 
we need to strap on the helmet of salvation and receive and accept God's truth and renew our minds in what he's given us. The second thing is the helmet of salvation helps us reject doubts that arise from circumstances. Sometimes circumstances in life make us wonder if God really does care about us. If we allow them to, circumstances may convince us that God does not really love us. But when we put on the helmet of salvation, it causes us to recall how far God went for us. It causes us to remember how much God really does love us. And in the middle of the circumstances of this life, circumstances are going to come. Jesus was very clear about that. He said, in this world, you will have troubles, right? He didn't, he didn't gloss it over. In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He said these things are going to come. But when they come to us, we need to strap on that, that helmet. You know, if you wear a helmet sometimes around, sometimes you'll see where sometimes they don't have the chin strap on. I really believe when the bad circumstances of life come on, that's when you really need to make sure that chin strap is fastened completely and sealed down tight because you're going to go through some circumstances knowing that you're a child of God. And no matter what the circumstances bring, I remember my salvation and I remember that God does love me and he does care for me. Amen? We also strap on the helmet of salvation by keeping an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective helps us really put things in perspective and prioritize things. Our priorities need to be storing up treasures in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I like nice things. Anybody else here like nice things? You know what I'm talking about? I like nice things. <laughs> No nudging the person next to you. <laughs> I like nice things, you know? My kids could tell me I'm cheap, but the older I get, the more I like, I'm going to save up my money and spend something and buy something really nice if I'm going to get something, you know? I like a good knife. <laughs> I like a nice gun. <laughs> I like a nice, I can't say a nice pickup. Mine's an old pickup. <laughs> I like nice things. And it's okay to have nice things. I don't think God doesn't, means that we can't enjoy the things that we have in front of us. But the perspective needs to be, the priority needs to be, this is not about amassing the most nice things we can have on this earth. This life is about an eternal perspective and seeing what treasures I can lay up in heaven. How many people that I might lead to Jesus, how many, how many people that I might have an impact in their life, our eternal perspective, because I put on the helmet of salvation, I'm reminded that, man, I was just as bad as that person that I'm looking at that's making me mad right now. But God changed me, and surely he can change them. An eternal perspective leads me to think, okay, it's not just about me at this moment, but it's about me leading them to Christ and showing them that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. And that eternal perspective, as I strap on the helmet of salvation and I look at the people that I'm dealing with, it helps me to see them as people who need salvation the same way I did. Amen? Mm. Number four, we strap on the helmet of salvation when we remember that victory is already accomplished. Think about that for a moment. Romans chapter 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? 
As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, when we strap on the helmet of salvation, we strap on the helmet that reminds us that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, not only was he, did he die on the cross, but three days later, he rose from the grave. Nobody else has done that. Nobody else has achieved that. Nobody else has accomplished that. Three days later, he rose from the grave. And man, if that does not know, let you know that things are secure and the battle's already been won, I don't know what will. And it lets us know, man, we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. I know things look sometimes troublesome and problems in this world, but I know that my Savior has already won the battle. Amen? Years ago, we were stationed in Turkey, and a buddy of mine went to Israel went on a tour down there, and he said, he came back, he said, you know, they, they tell me that there are two different places down there where they think that where the, where the tomb where Jesus was laid. He said, I told them, I want you to take me to both of them. And he said, I can tell you I went to both of them. He wasn't in either one of them. <laughs> I'm like, amen. <laughs> he ain't in either one because the victory has already been won. And we need to strap on that salvation, that helmet of salvation and remember that. And lastly, number five, we strap on the helmet of salvation when we find our living hope in him. Our living hope. I love 1 Peter. It's one of my most favorite passages, and this passage in particular, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed. He says a living hope. A living hope. The passage, the, the, the term hope here means an eager, confident expectation. You know, when we use the word hope, we use it in ways that aren't quite an eager, confident expectation. Like, I hope the stock market comes back so my retirement doesn't get trashed. Or I hope my wife doesn't spend too much money at the mall today. We say things like that, and it's almost a hope of desperation. You know what I'm saying? And yet, Peter describes this living hope that we have when we come to Jesus Christ as an eager, confident expectation of what's coming, man, of who we are in Christ and the reward we will receive when we get to heaven and the rewards we will see as we live this life for God. He, he gives us this, this eager expectation of, man, we have a living hope. I don't walk through this earth just hoping that somehow I'll get through because my name is Eeyore. 
Man, if you got an Eeyore faith, you do not have a living hope yet. You need to get a hold of a living hope, man. This is a confident, eager expectation that my God is in charge. My God is in control. My God saved my soul the day I came to him and asked him to forgive me. My God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And my God has already won the victory. And I have an eager expectation of receiving the reward that God has for me and of living as a child of God. Peter was speaking to some folks in Asia Minor, Asia Minor that were going through some really, really tough times in life. And he encourages them with the words that says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to wake up and put on the helmet of salvation every day and say, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That helmet will help you remember. That helmet will help you walk. That helmet will help you stand as a child of God and know exactly who you are in Christ. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, this morning we've come into this house. Some of us walked into this house with an eager expectation of what you were going to do today. Some of us walked into this house feeling beat down by the world. Some of us walked into this house wondering how we were going to go on another day. Some just walked into this house just hoping they'd find some semblance of hope. God, I pray today that person that walked in looking for some semblance of hope, I pray today by the power and the might of the gospel of Jesus Christ that they would receive salvation for their soul. They would be a new creation in Christ Jesus. They would find forgiveness for their sins and hope not only for this life but for all of glory. I pray for that Christian this morning that walked in here not with an eager expectation. They walked in here, maybe they've messed up this week. One of the beautiful things that the helmet of salvation reminds us of is that we have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We confess our sins and ask, he is faithful and just to forgive. Pray for that child of God who walked in here. The circumstances of life have been so intense, so strong. They're trying to figure out how they're going to make it through. I pray today that they would strap on that helmet of salvation, remembering what you did for them, and go, you know what, God? If you could save me from my sins, if you could raise your son Jesus from the grave, surely you can walk with me and take me through whatever I'm going through right now. 
God, I pray that we would strap on the helmet of salvation. That's such an important piece of the armor. And it would remind us how awesome, how sweet is the grace of God and the salvation that was bought through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning, I would be remiss if I didn't do this. If you're here this morning, you've never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. But you want to do that. You realize that you need forgiveness and you can't save yourself. And you realize that Jesus died for you. I want to pray a very simple prayer with you. And if you would just repeat these words after me and just mean them in your heart, God will save you. He will reach down from heaven and forgive you of your sins and make you a new creation and call you his son or his daughter. And I just ask you if that's you this morning, would you repeat these words after me? Dear Jesus, I know that I've done things wrong. I know that I've sinned. And I know that I need forgiveness. And I know, God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And so I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, to make me a new creation. And I will live all the days of my life in a relationship with you and in accordance with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'm telling you today, and you meant it, God has forgiven you. God has made you a new creation. And you are starting a new relationship. Clean. Whole. Not just patched up. Clean before God. And God is giving you that opportunity to walk in newness of life now. Maybe you're here today in just a moment. The band's going to play a song and we're going to worship together. Maybe you're here and God... Maybe you came in here today as a child of God. Life has hit you hard. You've been wondering about God's love, God's care, God's concern for you. Life has come. It happens. Maybe it's your time to strap that helmet of salvation back on and remember what Jesus has done for you. And as the band plays this song, I'm just going to ask you to take a moment and just get, get with God and just strap that helmet of salvation on, remembering what God has done in your life. Amen.